Hello, everybody. It is me, Ronald, and we are back with a special edition of the Arama Japan podcast. It is our Pride edition. Well, because there's no Pride this year Woo-hoo! because of like coronavirus. Are you applauding that there's no Pride? No, I'm saying That's it's hateful. a good thing that we have a Pride podcast at least. It's a oh, bad okay. thing that there's no Pride, but. Maybe I, we can do something online. <laughs> I thought you were like woohooing that there's no pride. I was like, you were in the march last year. I didn't yeah, see. Yeah, I you, was you... in the march. That's sad. So, <laughs> so we have Hannah, one of our usual co-hosts, and then we have two special guests for this episode. So our first one is going to be Jasmine. Hello. And our second and then our second one is Randy. Hello, that is I. You can follow me on Twitter at OKBitch. I am a noted Twitter personality, um, an archivist, an aesthetic curator. So if you're ever interested in that type of content, I am the guy for you. So, okay, so everyone is part of the community. So everyone identify what you are. So Jasmine, what do you identify as? So I identify as bisexual. Okay. Hannah, what do you identify as? Sometimes ace, sometimes bi. I'm still questioning. So you're Q. Yes. And then Randy. Gay. Pretty gay. I can appreciate... <laughs> you appreciate what? I can, I can appreciate the female body sometimes, the female form. Um, what does that mean? Pretty gay. Gay men can appreciate women, like too. Said, like, yeah. I'd say so. I'd say on the Kinsey scale, what the gays is like, a 10, right? Or I'd probably stand like a 7 or an 8. Mm. Huh. Okay. And I'm just gay. I, 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 I don't appreciate women's bodies. That's not misogyny. That's just like, I don't want to have sex with women. We're like, just mm. Um. But yeah. So we're here to basically talk about different topics as it relates to Japanese music and queer people. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was what was your journey into this world? Jasmine? Hmm. Um, so oh, I feel like it's such a long story, but um. I think I first got into J-pop in general around like 2006, 2007. Um, I have like a very basic story as like a Kingdom Hearts fan. I listened to Tadakaru, um, used to like hate watch the Yumi Hamasaki, but then like fell in love with her um, and kind of moved on from there to explore um, different artists. Um, in the Japanese sphere. Um, and outside of J-pop, I am also like a 
very big visual K fan. So mm. those are the two spaces I'm usually moving between. Um, so I kind of like got into J-pop pretty deeply from there. But you'll mostly see me talking about the standard old divas. So. Hack Twitter fodder. Yes, I am one of the women among many gay men on Hack Twitter. There are like... The I one woman. <laughs> there's, there's four. There's legit full five. There's five. There's Jasmine. There's Hannah, who dips in sometimes. Um, <laughs> um, then there's Louisa. Louisa, I think that's how you say her name. The Akina Nakamori stand. And then there's Hikipedia. Mm-hmm. And then there's Kimono B, who is the translator. And the like the one of the two Ainyong stands on the English side of things. <laughs> <laughs> and then Hannah. Can um, we just appreciate that all the women are more relevant, like have more relevant tastes than the majority of hack Twitter. We are going to go into that in a moment, but um, <laughs> Hannah, begin your journey in 1964 and bring us forward to 2020. So, I think the best way to put it is, I was an anime weeb. I also started with like Sailor Moon and everything, and then got into J-pop in the same way that every other anime weeb does, which is through openings. And it's been downhill from there. <laughs> I also used to be into Visual K, not as much anymore, but I'm like everywhere on J-pop Twitter. And Randy? Um, I'd say I became aware of J-pop's existence around the same time that I got into K-pop. And I think the first j-pop act that i became a fan of was perfume and then i dived really deep into it around 2013 and i've been a full-time amasaki ayumi stan ever since so oh my god like typical coming in on the perfume and then going to the iu by the way go go ahead oh well i mean i'm like what is is the age range of this chat right now, first of all, because I'm like 23 and I feel like people around my oh. age tend to and go towards like the more westernized K-pop. form of K pop. I mean, J pop. True. By the way, when you said archivist, something popped in my head because I've been listening to an album a lot recently because you were listening to it and I was just like, I haven't listened to this album in like maybe ten years. What was but, the album? Um, it was um oh my god, it's what's her name? Nakatani Miki's first album. Oh, so good, yeah. With um Sakamoto. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, I forgot how much I liked Mind Circus. But um, my journey, my journey is like the gayest one, I think, personally. Okay, so this is the journey. Um, basically, I was on a, oh God, I'm going to admit this now. I was on a Kylie Minogue forum 
in 2003, <laughs> 2004. <laughs> I know you guys are laughing at me. Um, <laughs> I was on a Kylie Minogue club. And, what do you say? No, I'm applauding you. Another Kylie stand. Yeah. So I was on her forum in like 2003, 2004. And basically, there was this section called Other Music. And basically, Other Music was like the J-pop section. So it being a Kylie forum, it was basically full of gay men. So for a long time, the only J-pop fans I knew were gay men. Like, I, I didn't really, like, go... And, like, start interacting outside of my series of forums I was on until maybe, I want to say, like, 2011 when, like, I was finally banned for good for good from the final forum. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> I was, like, banned from forums all the time. Because the thing, the thing is, though, is that people couldn't take what I was saying. I was saying truthful things and people were getting mad. Uh, like yeah. there was like a NAMI, like at like I remember one time there was a Nami A stand that ran the J pop section. He banned me from the forum because I said that Tokushinki brought in more money than Nami A did, which was a fact. <laughs> that that's also he, a fact still. <laughs> he didn't like it. And then so he banned me because I was disrespecting Nami A. And I was just like, mm, we were all disrespecting Nami A like five years, like five or six years ago when she was a total flop. So now it's different. Okay. But then I basically ended up on like some different, some K-pop forms at J-pop sections. And finally that like died. And then like, I've been on a Rama since like, basically it went to its own thing. And then like, yeah. And now I'm here doing this, talking to y'all folk. Um, so, yeah, that's my journey. So I remember like saying something to Hannah and Hannah was just like, yeah, that's definitely your corner. But have you guys always felt like there was like a lot of like mainly gay men, but also like a lot of queer people in general that were part of the fandom? Yes. Um, so as someone who is like primarily like an IU and like Hickey fan, um, and spent a lot of time like on a Yumi Hamasaki Sakai. Uh, I feel that a lot of the fans were in general like queer because even there are a lot of women like on the forum and in other like fan spaces, but I felt that a lot of those women were also queer, which is interesting. Yeah, because I would go on that site from time to time and I always saw gay men. And Hannah was just like, no, there were definitely women there. And I was like, mm-hmm. I seeing the women. There are a lot of women. Yeah, I feel, Randy. I feel like game is more vocal about their identity. And Jay, I consider it to be more of like um, an alternative interest. I don't know, it's not as mainstream. And I feel like queer folk are more um, attracted to the other, you know, sort of interests out there. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think it's actually because 
if you guys weren't on LiveJournal, Tumblr, or any of the sites that were predominantly women, women wouldn't out themselves for various reasons. That makes sense, yeah, because I think about that all the time, actually. And I think that people say a lot on there is that everyone on the internet, you assume to be male until proven otherwise. So that's mm-hmm. definitely true. Yeah, because even I wasn't like an out woman at the time, um, especially because like a lot of those early years were my teenage years, and yeah. but you're still, like, still navigating those spaces. So you kind of find out everyone's identity through like your personal relationships that you develop with them, and then you realize like what's really going on. Hmm. It also, you know, what thinking about that now, it reminds me of how like. I don't mean to be that person, but with everything that's been happening like recently with like Black Lives Matter and everything, I thought about like how much racial abuse have I incurred? And like I can't really say that I've incurred racial abuse, like a blatant racial abuse. But then I thought about it and I was just like, actually, the only time you were ever called the N-word was online. And not because you were like posting photos of yourself or whatever, but because you said you were black in a thread and people remembered it. Mm. They used it against you. And I was just like, huh. I didn't even think about that for like, until like maybe like a week or two ago when someone that was on those forums with me, because I talked to a lot of those people from, I've talked to these people I've like known for like 15 years at this point, longer in some cases. And it was just like, yeah, remember that one time that, like, that one British guy called you, like, the end work because he was mad at you because, like, you basically, like, I did something messy. And, like, that's what he responded with because those forms were a mess. Like, it was, like, literally like, a bunch of gay men from around the world just being messy. And, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I had a good memory for, like, the mess and I would bring it out. I always had receipts. But, um. Yeah, like, talking about, like, the identity thing, about, like, oh, you don't want to out your identity because, like, people may attack you or, like, think differently of you. Yeah, I didn't really think about that may be the reason why women don't say much online. Mm-hmm. But, Randy, do you think that we drown out the women? Um... Uh... I'll try to answer that. I feel like about their interests and stuff. To be quite honest, I can only count the number of, like, female women J-pop followers on my hands, so. Is it basically the ones I named earlier? Like, the five? Them, um, there's Elle, um, Belinda, um, Oh, yeah, Elle has been, like, bullying me. For the past 24 hours, bullying me. She said I would need hearing aids by the time I was 40. <laughs> because I listened to Sheila Ringo, I'm going to need hearing aids by the time I was 40. And Jasmine liked the post. I saw that. I still have the seats. Look, I like Sheila Ringo, but. <laughs> You're not like... wrong. 
And then, and then she posted earlier. She was just like, she's like, they're dragging him up and down the time, like, and like it's 2010. I'm like, hey, I, didn't I will post not fully. No, <laughs> no, that's what Elle said. She's fooling me. <laughs> Hannah, you're bullying me too with that laughter. Like you know, I but, always um, bully you. Yeah. So I can't even. I really can't be mad. But um, yeah, there's not that many women, and like even like like when I, like, when I was getting get together this like group that I, people I wanted to do, I was just like, oh, there's like this gay guy and that gay guy and that gay guy and that gay guy and that gay guy, and I was like, okay, I have five women that I can choose from, of which like one I know is bi, um, one I know is a lesbian who was not able to join us tonight. And then one that, like, I'm not so sure about. And the other two, I think, are straight. So I'm just like, okay, well, those are our options. Mm. But I am, I do apologize. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to say, like, I do, like, we don't have a lesbian or a trans or a a gender nonconforming person here today. But maybe next year we will. Um, Yeah. We do this next year. Maybe this is just. This was just, like, something I had on the top of my head. I just wanted to, like, do real quick and just, like, see, just, like, throw it out there. But, um, Hannah, what were you going to say? Oh, I think that was Jasmine. Uh, yeah, it was me. Um, I was going to say, I do think your point about the voices being drowned out is relevant. Because as I'm thinking about, like, the, I don't follow, like, a whole lot of folks on Stan Twitter. But I do follow a lot. And I, like, there are, like, several other women that follow me and, like, who are mutuals with me. And some of them are also, like, women of color. But I Mm -hmm. think, like, they're active, but I don't think anyone really, like, pays attention. And they're not, like, super active. They're just kind of, like, lurking. And so sometimes they'll, like, comment on some of my posts and, like, things like that. So, like, I see them, but I think they're not a part of this, like, I don't know. I feel like there's, like, a center in, like, Stan Twitter. And queer women of color are not generally a part of that center. Um, and maybe we're not trying to be, but mm-hmm. it's definitely like they exist, but they're definitely not a large part of the conversation. I I would like you guys to be though, because I think that like we should have like more different voices. Like I don't think it should just be like a bunch of like queens yelling at each other all the time <laughs> and going crazy and in hysterics. I think that we need like more diversity. You definitely need to, I don't, I don't want to call it baiting out, but you need to make it very obvious that it is safe for them to participate. And the reason I say that is because there is one fandom that I can think of that is almost entirely lesbian. And that's actually the SNH fandom. If you go in there and you run into a girl, there is a 75% chance that she is probably a lesbian. And of like the 20 or so SNH fans that I know, 15 of them are females. So you do the math. It's basically all lesbians. Cosplay also happens to have a ton of lesbian, bi, transgender, or NB people. And the reason why like you can part you can see them and 
they'll participate is because there's a sense that it's safe for them to actually like come out and say things. Are we unsafe, Randy? It's it's less that you guys are unsafe and more that like they just don't know. Oh gee, I feel like I feel like I'm the bad guy. Oh no no, no, no. <laughs> it's a it's a sense among girls that something is not safe until it's declared to be. So even with SNH Twitter, people won't interact with you and invite you into things until you start DMing them and like talk to them constantly and DM. See, because I would think women would feel safe because it's a bunch of gay men. Uh, and I've, I've had women say those are only men they feel safe around. Uh. <laughs> uh. Like, that's also like how, I mean, women go to a gay club because they're able to dance without being groped forever. But the same, at the same time, um, I feel like some gay men view that as an invitation to start feeling up women. But, you know, it's still, still fucked up, so... Yeah, mm. I feel like it might be a misconception, and I think I think intersections start to matter here as well. Like I think, like as like a queer black woman, I mm. sometimes the white gaze can be like a lot. Like, and I just it's just a lot. Like I've seen it over the years, um, and so I don't think it's always for a variety of reasons. Like given that mm. women feel safer, whether straight, queer, whatever, around gay men, or that their voices will still be heard and like gay men can also still be participating in various like systems that um don't make women feel comfortable like in spaces but in general i don't think it's that deep but as hannah was saying i don't think it's just it's not obvious that it's a safe space and i do think if a lot of women express themselves they feel like they're just gonna get dragged mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think everyone wants to deal with that. Um, I was certainly like quiet when I first was on Twitter, but now I just don't even care. So whatever. I think it's also because there's a sense, not just within the J-pop fandom, but in fandoms in general, that there are like very specific platforms where women can be loud mm-hmm. and Twitter is not one of them. Right. Um, the platforms are typically like Tumblr, Rip, Live journal rip, mm-hmm. fanfiction.net, which is entirely mm-hmm. derivative works, and now archive of our own. Right. Uh, which, like, the Chinese government. So, archive of our own is like fanfiction.net, except much more popular because you're allowed to write fanfiction of real people. And therefore, Every single, like, every single female fan I know of, straight, bi, lesbian, whatever, they all tend to either know of it or participate in it very actively. And so I would say those, as well as anything that predominantly highlights derivative work, that is to say, like, fan art, cosplay, fan fiction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that tends to be the predominant way that I see a lot of women, like, engaging in fandom. And so unless you actively seek that stuff out and, like, participate in that, you're never going to see women that loud. 
I guess. So in short, men have no brains and can only do 140 characters. <laughs> I mean, you guys are content consumers. <laughs> sure. I don't know. That's interesting. Yes, I like even like I'm trying to find other communities on Twitter that like I could be a part of and like engage with more. So like BK Twitter, for example. But like it seems like such a secretive space, and mm. you don't know because I it really is old VK fan, and so I've been trying to like I think I made a thread one day like I'm I wanted to just like get into some of the newer bands that I'm not as familiar with like I follow older bands that have been around forever like the Gazette and then even older acts but I feel like VK Twitter which is predominantly women is just such a, it's so different. And I find it hard to engage. And it seems like everyone already like kind of knows each other personally. And because there's like a long period where I sort of detach from the visual K community, especially after like I stopped using Tumblr, um, I don't know, the space just seems to be run like entirely differently from like J-pop past Twitter. Mm. Speaking of, let's, let's dissect J-pop hack Twitter since you brought it up. Because I feel like, because I I had a Twitter. I got a Twitter years ago. And then, like, I kind of, like, let it die. And then I was like, let me go back to Twitter just to see, like, just to go. And then, like, I started, like, talking to some people. And then, like, they would follow me and I would follow them back. And that's how we're all here. Um, but it's just, like, it basically became, like, this thing called hag twitter and hag twitter kind of like i feel like hag twitter is i don't know how would you guys describe hag they just love divas the utehimes <laughs> it's stuck in 2003 basically and it's it's interesting. Okay, say it say it say it again because like I kind of like okay, so we're gonna okay, so my phone kind of just like went out for a second. So okay, so I'm gonna say it again. What do you guys think of hack Twitter? Be on like divas, the Utimes. No, it's two thousand three. That's all, that's all correct. It's very much, it's like a space built on nostalgia for not only the top divas at the time, but also many like other solo women artists who were pretty much all flopped um, over the last couple of decades. Um, Rip your mentions. (laughs) (laughs) I am not worried. I love it. It's okay. Um, And and it's such a diverse array of like artists and taste, but that's like pretty much what it centers around. And it's so distinct from like, like I don't interact at all with like idol Twitter. Like they're like other J-pop spaces, but I just don't interact with them. Is it diverse though? Cause I feel like it's the same thing. Like it's basically <laughs> the same girl doing the same thing. Just like, like Three. it, 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 <laughs> It's basically like a mold. It's like a mold. I don't feel like the, the girls are that different because when you get a girl that is that different, she ends up at number 12 on the list. <laughs> no, what was I, Mion? She was like 
35? No, there wasn't a 35 because number 30 was the last one. And that was Nishino Okana, who basically is like um, the main girl of her 2010s, is number barely making it. But um, yes, I am still bitter about Sheena Ringo being number 12. Oh my goodness. It is okay. Oh, geez. Miss Sona, Sona list, like, it's not, it's not relevant. <laughs> it's not, relevant. It's not that deep. List. Let's talk about the list, because um, basically everyone expected the top four to be Ayumi Hamasaki, Kota Kumi, Nami Emerald, and um, Yutada Hikaru. But then, like... Okay, I wasn't expecting number five. Number five was... Coda, but the thing is, though, is that number three was Tomomi Itano. Like, oh, yeah, she was number three. The people, okay, so that's like, so I posted it on a Robin. Someone was just like, oh, there goes Hag Twitter and their ironic standing again. Like, it's 2011. And then Okay, other random ones. Mesa Kuroki at number six. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I like the girl, but number six, that's just, that's just not realistic. Like, come on. She had, like, six singles and no impact. You know. Most of the list was a joke, but as I was stating, um, but I've also realized I don't think Hack Twitter has great taste because I was also upset with the Ayumi Hamasaki um, song list. Um, like, I get taste varies, but uh, anyway, um, are you yeah. calling hacks when you use the basic gaze of basic taste? They, yeah. they are. They are. <laughs> I, I mean, so, <laughs> so much of hacks, they don't even claim like Namie's early stuff, TK, and like I'm just concentration 20, obviously, because we, we have great taste in here, but most people would just uh, brush that off and go for like. I don't know, play or past future. Uh, okay, my phone keeps messing up for some reason. Okay, so they okay. So you're gonna say Namie's early what? They don't claim Namie's early what? They don't claim Namie's early albums with TK. All they go for is like play or best uh, best fiction or past future accessible westernized stuff. Ew. Like, that's the stuff I hate the... I, the stuff, I can't even speak right now. That's the stuff I like the least. Like, the best stuff is the TK stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And they never they never it's, respect it. And so that's why I'm just... I'm over it. But I don't want to, like... I feel like I've taken too many shots at Nani Stan Twitter um, recently. Uh, so I'm just going to take it easy on her today. But, but like I said to Hannah earlier today, I was like, what does this say when your number one is retired? Mm. I, I, feel like, I feel like that poll was kind of just like the conclusion of Hack Twitter. Like, I we am had fun. Say, though, I am going to say, though, it's interesting that Tomochin is number three. Because that actually proves something that I've thought for a very long time. Which is what? That gays are desperate for, like, basic dance pop? No, that there is a very large intersection between the gay idol fans that I know Mm -hmm. and just B 
being part of hack Twitter fandom. Like, I don't think they're active on it, but there, there's a lot of gay AKB fans in particular. For some reason, it's not Hello Project. It's actually AKB48 that brings out all the gays. That's the funny thing. Is I've never met a gay idol fan ever. Really? I've, I've met, met so many. Idol. Because the thing is, though, is that the thing is, though, is that if you go back to the, this time ten years ago, it was basically like the war. Basically, ten years ago, it was like a bunch of gays on forums yelling and screaming about how all the girls that they liked were flopping and that idols were taking over. So you're saying it was not that? I feel like, so there were a bunch of basic pop fans who were very mad that, like, idols were taking over the diva spots, right? But on the other side, Mm -hmm. you had these, like, secretive gay male fans who were very, very into the hyper femme. The, like, super, oh, look at me, I'm a cute AKB girl, and I'm going to control these guys and, like, make fun of them, right? Because there is a very large 48G recognition that all idol fans are simps and that we are all just like paying someone money to pretend to like us. And this is just something that like we're all very aware of. And we love it when the girls say something about that, right? And there's something about that that really attracted particularly like later millennial and Gen Z gay fans. So I've noticed, especially when I bring it up to some people. Like my phone is stop second. My phone is my phone is breaking up. So can you just repeat that again? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of younger gay fans who are particularly into idols. Because the mm-hmm. irony is there. It's hilarious. Like watching a 25-year-old girl be like, all of you fucks don't even have a girlfriend. Like, why are you here on Christmas Eve? You're completely lame. And she is like the number one person in Nogizaka right now after Shirei Shimai leaves, right? That to us is great. <laughs> to, 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 to not gay men, though. No, like gay men also really seem to dick this. It's just a different way of looking at hyper femme pop. Well, because the thing is, though, is that there was always this conversation, like, about 10 years ago, about how, well, we don't like idols because idols are basically weak women, and we only like strong women who assert their sexuality and their dominance, not these, like, basically play things for old horny men as yeah. in idols. And that was the thing. I feel like there was this huge contingent, not just among gay men, but I feel like among some Western J-pop, particularly J-pop, not just not K-pop fans who were just like, why do strong women only have one type of cutout? You hear a lot of this dialogue when K-pop comes up with their quote-unquote girl crush concepts. That people are just like, why do strong women all look the same? <laughs> I don't think they all look the same in J-pop, though. 
they're all very much this like I'm gonna exude this adult sexuality kind of thing. Well, because like I look at somebody like like I look at Utada as like a strong woman, and then like I look at like Ringo as a strong woman, and then like Coda as a strong woman. But then again, that's questionable because wasn't the whole Arrow thing? like kind of like pushed because it was like girl you're flopping you need to get a gimmick it's it's one of those things where i think it really depends on the person themselves right because you're really talking about strong from the point of creative strongness right where mm. they where the person themselves builds up a personality and kind of like asserts this strength and to me strength is like being able to assert your dominance, especially when fans are acting out. And so a lot of that doesn't actually happen in like the diva space. I've never seen divas quite trash on their fans the way that like 48 girls do. That because there's no has never happened. There's definitely things to trash on. The fact is, Koda Kumi getting canceled over saying something that was a commonly held misconception in Japan, to me, reeked of misogyny. But nobody ever said anything. She never said anything. All she said was an apology. Well, I think... I think there's there's like a dissonance also between like the Japanese fan base and the Western fan bases. Yeah. And so I think that add some color to the conversation um and i don't think a lot of the baby does really pay attention to the western fan bases that much like they are aware we exist some of them at least but the impact is so small there really isn't much to say or do and so it's almost as if i think like western fans would have to live vicariously through the experience of japanese fans but i like for me at least that's never felt relevant or authentic um i'm not sure i can really say that though because a lot of the way that like say idols speak out is only towards fans us foreign fans only know of it if you speak japanese or have somebody who's willing to translate it all that's another thing too that like i think that like well, one of the things I really wanted to do when I started like taking on this more proactive, excuse me, this more proactive thing was that like, I was just like, no, like sure this thing is popular because it sells a lot of CDs, but like that's not really the song everyone's really listening to. Like my big crusade as Hannah knows before was like, look at digital. That's like what the real hits are, look at digital. And basically like more people started realizing but the one thing I really wanted to do was that I wanted to go and portray more of the reality because before I actually started looking for things myself like Randy's gonna like this um the forums I was on back in the day one of their favorite artists was Hitomi One of their favorite artists was Hitomi. 
And they were, like, pumping up Hitomi like she was, like, the most relevant. Like, she was the hottest girl. Like, she was doing everything in Japan. And then, like, I started looking up things for myself, and I was just like, her singles are lucky if they crack the top 40. Like, That's true. I was thinking about that. I think there's, um, like you said, how whatever's popular would be like whatever's ranking high on digital. I was I always think about the distance we have between like um commonly held uh what am I trying to say you're like not trivia but like uh like how we know like Madonna's like um an old washed up you know among the general consensus whatever but we don't really yeah. have that same same sort of like uh knowledge of what's actually popular among the divas in Japan, if that makes sense. Sorry, I'm having a break. Yeah, like, like, people will be quick to drag Madonna and say, oh, she's a flop. Like, she hit number one, but then, like, her album fell to number, like, 74 the next week. But it's kind of just like, but yet you're standing Koda Kumi. <laughs> okay. Keep that same so. energy you have for Madonna for Koda Kumi. Something I've noticed about, like, gay men that are... J-pop fans, especially on like Hack Twitter, um, and even other spaces like AHS and like other forums, is they there's like a balance they have between standing like the most formerly popular um, divas, and then women who have either like always have been flops or only had like the spotlight for a very short period, and so while they'll like praise women like for their sales like people will still be like trying to bring some sort of relevancy to Yumi Hanasaki for like her sales or something like that or her daughter Nanya whoever but they also like still like strongly defend um, women who aren't really doing anything and have very minimal impact so there's not as much of a concern I think sometimes for how relevant different acts are in Japan like the taste of like stan twitter and like just Western J-pop fans, and then Japan is so vastly different. And I think there is an awareness sometimes of what is more popular, but a lot of Western fans simply don't care. And I think, like, queer men on J-pop Twitter just enjoy what they enjoy, and there's, like, certain artists they particularly enjoy. And I think it's the same for Western acts as well. Like, if you look at Western stan Twitter, like, they stand the same, like, washed up um, popular acts. <laughs> and then they also have these, like, random flops that they also, like, push, regardless of how they're actually doing. And it's just, like... I think the funniest argument I've ever had was somebody being, like, all idols should be, like, Nami and And I was just, like, what? Hmm. And they were just like, I forget exactly what they said. I think it was like, oh, they should all be like strong women like Namiya and Muro. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I think there's a double boundary here where not only do you have like the sales literacy boundary, but also just like a language boundary and like a cultural boundary. I guess that's a third one, right? of like how women are supposed to act. What are women supposed to do in like proper society? What is ageism in Japan? Stuff like that. And so I think those triple boundaries kind of lock people out. Reminds me. 
it reminds me of the tweet I sent out earlier today about how, like, you guys literally named no women that are actually relevant today in that list yeah. besides besides Aimeon, Ringo, and Utada. That was it. I was just like, because if you look at, like, women that are still doing well, most of the women that you guys are familiar with would be over the age of 35 at this point. And to be a successful woman over the age of 35, you have to fit a mold, which is kind of just, like, very much age-appropriate. Like, that's why Kodokumi is completely irrelevant, because she's still, like, twerking and, like, to EDM at, like, 38. And it's like, no, you should be a nice housewife, like Ringo or Aiko or Misha or Juju. Or Kana. Oh, go ahead, Hannah. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. I was like, I think that's why many of us like her. And so I'm going to speak not just for, like, um, the queer men on High Twitter, but also, like, a woman like myself, uh, especially a queer mm-hmm. woman. I think I gravitate towards artists like Ku and Ayu in a way because they're so unapologetically imperfect in themselves. And I'm, like, used to navigating the world as somewhat of, like, an other and like being perceived as like out of the ordinary or with hostility and so I kind of like I think I somewhat I just like I understand them and their experiences but I also like enjoy it and relate to it and also find comfort in it and which is why I'm usually very defensive of like those two in particular um, because I understand how they're perceived in Japan and even like some of those perceptions I know um, trickle down to like the western fan base um but i just like firmly disagree with it but it ties so much to like to their popularity and i think sometimes western fans ignore ignore that they ignore the cultural aspects um that go into um, j-pop but i do think that's a twitter thing because i've had so many conversations on this topic on like ahf even recently um the yumi forum like and women especially on there are like constantly bringing this up and we have these conversations about like different societal structures etc i actually never thought of it that way where it's kind of like women who aren't trying to play into the um good japanese women playbook basically how they kind of mirror queer people and that they're not playing by society's playbook either i never thought about that till you just mentioned it so thank you it's interesting because i feel like in some ways koda and ayu definitely break boundaries but in other ways i find them very much mirroring like what are you supposed to do like koda kind of took a dip after i think she's married now right she's married and she has a kid yeah like koda kind of bowed away from the spotlight after that and really what killed her career wasn't the fact that she started she is age inappropriate. It was literally that one comment that just completely killed her per- popularity because Japan's just like that. Um, but the thing is, she was still able to get like, she was still able to get 
booked. She was still booked and busy after that. Like, I mean, there was a down period, but like she was still able to like go and like get a number one album and sell over a hundred thousand copies. Now she like now Avex is like looking for like any little window if it's like a two inch by two inch window to get her a number one, but then she ends up cracking like twenty k first week. She so definitely like, had, like, a little bit of a tail afterwards, but that was the beginning of the end. That's when all the normal fans just left. Hmm. But we're going to talk about something else now. Something <laughs> that's close to my heart. We're going to talk about misandry. Um, why, why don't... Um, why does it seem like, especially, like, people like male artists? Like, like, is it the whole, is it the whole thing of kind of just like, oh, being like a typical gay man, I only listen to female soloists, but like, no one listens to men. But the thing is, though, is that there are some men who shall be remain unnamed who are um, dropping hints in like their music and their behavior and like they talk about their personal lives and like their social media accounts or whatever that you would think that oh these people are these performers are like us so why are we not going towards them more i mean even western gates don't even like adam lambert or troy savon adam lambert sucks okay (laughs) i like troy savon he's he he has some cute i like the troy savon songs i just i feel like i'm at an age where i don't necessarily need representation like that you know um i had another point about this um, but I feel like the gay community is very hypercritical of our own members. Um, and I feel like women artists are especially put on a pedestal, which are both kind of same, uh, different sides of the same coin. I also think, though, there's a sense of like, these male artists do tend to pander to women a lot. Um, it doesn't really matter if you're, like, whatever your sexuality is. If you're a male artist, you pander to women in some way, shape, or form. And in a way, and I see this also in, like, Idaho fandom, I feel like that actually repels men. That sense of, like, having to pander to women is almost something that, like, is like a polar opposite magnet where no like the the similarity thing it repels men from wanting to get into it it reminds me a bit of something that i heard before which is that japanese gay men don't like johnny's (laughs) and that they much more prefer ldh in part because that is more of their ideal aesthetic as far as masculinity goes. Like kind of like being tanned and like having a nice body and having facial hair. Whereas that is the complete opposite of Johnny's. Yep. But but I think about how 
if they're pandering to women, wouldn't like wouldn't gay men like that? Because like the thing is though is that a lot of what the female soloists do is that they pander to women as well. Do they? I, I don't think feel so. like they do. I don't, I don't think, think so. they do. I think a good example in... Girls' mm-hmm. Generation debuted in Japan. Um in Korea they had more of a male pandering image, but um, I watched like interviews and videos of like them and their whole debut process in Japan, and they were looking to uh, um, go towards the female market because they already had the male fans in the bag, and so they had to push a more like um, empowering image, I suppose, compared to what were they what they were selling back home. So, hmm. but what were you saying, Hannah? I also would agree with that. Um, I don't I don't really know that if I think of female divas, I don't really view them as necessarily like with certain exceptions, they're very much a male gaze kind of construct. Mm-hmm. As in like a straight male gaze kind of construct. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that there are, um, do you think that there are any artists that, like, again, I don't want to, like, name names and make it, like, a bit of, like, a taboo thing, kind of, but, like, like, we often see in music videos, like, I just said taboo, and, like, a lot of the Western gays like taboo, because, like, when who walks in and those two men and they're about to start hooking up and then she smiles and they're like oh she validated us or like Ayu having like gay porn stars and her videos kissing or like her going to like an S&M gay club with her dancers and it's just like so we have a lot of pandering towards men but then like is there a lot of pandering towards queer women um eh. I think I think the thing is, it's easier to identify what, like, or, like, qualify, like, pandering towards gay men, as opposed to pandering towards not only, like, queer women, but straight women. Like, a lot of, like, what appeals to us is just kind of, like, given with them. Like, a lot of Yumi's discography is just, like, it just appeals to me as a woman in general. Like, there's nothing specific she has to do like the variety of things she does all like appeal to me in a way and even though it may seem as like pandering towards like um gay men like when she does like queer friendly or like queer friendly things in her work or same with like coda it like also still like resonates with me as a queer woman but i think mm. the queer woman perspective because it's so quiet in the fandom is not always like considered either in this space um so I don't know. I don't think they have to actively pander to women because it's like naturally a big part of their audience. Of course, this has changed, I think, as they've become less popular. But a lot of their Western fans, at least, are still women, but we're just not like I am, of course, but we're not always arguing on like Stan Twitter or other platforms about it. Like we're just quietly listening to them and supporting them and things like that. I actually I think... just thought oh, oh sorry. But like speaking I actually of think... I, oh, for, oh, sorry. <laughs> speaking about IU for a second, I just thought of 
I just thought of like the video for Is It Green? Where mm-hmm. she actually like dances with one of her female dancers in drag, like romantically in a show. Like, how did that make you feel as like a queer woman? I love that music video when I when it came out. I think I was like 13 or so. Um, because it just felt, and I think that's the thing, like it didn't even feel like when, when she's like in like a gay club and like Lady Dynamite or something, it's just so, I don't know what it is. Like it's just so offensive to people, but for whatever reason, that same response was not given to Green. Like people found it tasteful in a sense maybe they're like I'm not sure if it's a just dis- like they're dismissive of like queer women in our experience so that it's not that offensive or if it was just the way it was handled or the way like it was lacking in the same sexualization that her other imagery may have I'm not sure but at least for me I know like it resonated with me but I've never like really thought about it as like pandering towards queer women or something like that like I think that conversation was just never had it's just like something she did because I think of green and I think of like it's like set in like I think Shanghai like between the wars so it has like a certain like air to it rather than like um Lady Dynamite, where it's just like, <laughs> oh, I'm in a leather jock. It was like, oh, my backup dancers are like in harnesses and leather jock straps with studs on them. <laughs> like, it's completely yeah. like, it's a very garish aesthetic. Yes. And I remember like she lost fans over it. Like, I remember it, that. Like that one fan shut down his like site <laughs> because of that video. Um, which is like so interesting but I don't think she got anywhere near that response for Green for some reason it was more acceptable Um, but at the same time I never felt like Lady Night it felt I think when we use the word pandering it it assumes that it's like not authentic in a way but I think you can be like authentically like queer friendly while also pandering and that is the vibe mm-hmm. I get from Ayumi, just based on her own personal history. But I don't think she really explained much until she performed at um, Pride, I believe, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some, actually, now that I think about, like, I was trying to think of, like, more examples of, like, not so much pandering, but I guess you could say, like, it, it depends on how you take it, but, like, pandering, like, representation of queer women. Um, one of my personal faves, um, Kato Milia, she has had a, a number of different, like, videos featuring lesbian couples. Like, she had, like, Aya Bambi, the two dancers, like, they were in one of her videos as, like, a couple, like, having, like, romantic scenes. And I remember some people saying, too, that just, like, her lyrics, Nilia's lyrics for certain songs, like they sound as if like they have the perspective of a queer woman. Which then also makes me think of that um, Utada song, Tomodachi, mm-hmm. which the person that did the, that did the whole diva ranking, he actually got her to like kind of come out on Twitter. Do you guys remember that? Right. Oh, yeah. 
or he was just like, don't you think it's like kind of like crass of you to like, you know, adopt like gay people's like identities? And she was like, what makes you think I'm straight? I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But like, do, but then like also too, like, do you guys like see any like kind of like, do people actually pander? I don't want to say pander, but I say like, or play on like kind of like gender nonconforming or trans or non binary aesthetics? Because I think of Visual K, which both of you guys like. Yeah, I would actually consider Visual K incredibly pandering, right? I separate Visual K from someone, say, like Joel Bachi, who is NB, who loves playing that up in their videos all the time, right? There's something that feels different to me than Visual K, where someone like Mana identifies as male, but just likes dressing up in those sorts of clothes because he understands that like his stage persona is accepted in that way mm-hmm. yeah like i don't think there's any space i am like into that panders more to women than like visual k and perhaps that's also because i'm not in like idol spaces so i don't really whether like j idols or k idols i just i can't get into it but um but they're always, it's hard to explain. Um, it was when I was in middle school and this is like a space where I had like actual friends in real life who were into Visual K as well. Like it was just really, it was so easy to fangirl over them. Like there was like this mm. mystique with their androgyny that I think doesn't exist as much today due to like the progression of society. Um, but even then, like, they very actively, like, they have, like, fan service, and they're, like, kissing each other at concerts, and, like, very directly doing things that panders to their, like, woman audience, and some of them have discussed the fact that they don't have fans who are men, but I think recently in the interview, like, I guess the Gazette mentioned how they actually enjoyed having men at their last U.S. tour, like, a year or two ago, um, in their Western audiences, which is usually not the case. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's interesting, but I never feel like anyone in J-pop is like pandering that hard, especially really like even, I'm like talking mainly of like J-divas towards their gay fans. I like, it's just not the same for me. I guess I see it as pandering because, um, one of the things that I'm very aware of as like an Asian woman is that there are correct ways to act in society and almost all the J divas follow it to a T. It's like very hard to think of a J diva who doesn't, who breaks the mold in that sense because they all love acting in the exact right manner, like saying the exact right things if they want to act like an empowering woman to say the right things and do the right stuff and like act the right way right and so I view it as pandering because there's so much calculation behind it like when Nishino Kana got outed for using market research for her lyrics I'm like oh that surprises me like zero <laughs> percent 
hey fans, what would you like to hear in my next song? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, this surprises me like nothing at all. Because that is, I feel like that's become such a thing for J-Divas now. There's an exact formula that you follow. If you want to be this thing, you will do this exact thing. Hmm. I'm thinking now of like Kohaku at the end of last year, from the end of 2019, where basically Misha turned the show into like her own personal pride, where there were like drag queens and like go-go boys and confetti and rainbow flags and then like everyone on the show was like waving rainbow flags so you see like Ringo for rainbow flag and Aiko and perfume and Yuzu and then Hoshino again and they're all like waving the flags and like it was kind of just like I was looking at that saying like you basically have a show that half of the country or like a third of the country is watching right now and there's like this giant like gay parade on it and you have like the top people in the music industry there like waving pride flags i was like what the hell is this and i remember going on twitter and like looking for like japanese responses about it and most of them were kind of just like oh my god this is amazing i'm glad that like we're visible i'm glad that they're seeing us but then the funny thing is that I noticed some responses in English saying that it was pandering. Hmm. So I'm just like, again, it's like a confusion between what exactly is like allyship and what is hmm. pandering. Because what is someone's allyship is someone else's pandering. But I just remember just like, and I actually like went and asked some people in Japan I know that are gay, just like, what did you think of that? And they were just like, yeah, I think it's great. I think that like, I like the show and like the visibility of it, but we need more than that. Mm-hmm. Like that's cute, but we need rights. Hmm. So, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something else. But yeah, the visibility of it is like definitely increasing over there. And do you think that we will, well, actually I shouldn't say, do you think? Because like Hannah has examples. (laughs) Hannah, what are some artists, what are some artists that are actually like openly openly i can't speak again openly lgbt because we have um so Abuchi, who is trans are they trans and- i think they're nb they're nb they're very, very proud of their nbness i thought i thought they were trans because i know well i don't know exactly how they, they identify as but like i did think yeah. it was interesting how they because it was like one of their singles that they had they had like different versions of it where it was yeah. like a, it's like on this single, on this on this one version of the song, I'm gonna sing with dress codes and I'm gonna like sing as a woman and be the woman in the song. And then on this other one, who's that one that one um that one girl with the boobs? You mean like all of them? Which one? <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Um, no, the one that like I Hinozaka Hinozaki. Oh, Shinozaki I. Shinozaki I. Yeah, and then on the other version of the song, um, Abu-chan was singing with her as the male. Mm. Yeah, that's like, why that- Patrick is never sure as to like what pronouns we should refer to them as in English because he's just like uh sometimes Avachan likes being a guy and sometimes Avachan likes being a girl and if you look at their latest photo book which I like currently one of my friends is trying to get me one of the promotional bromides on um they very much play on that but Avachan is definitely NB but this year was particularly special because one of the up-and-coming voice actresses, now actor in Japan, came out and said, I am a trans man. I've always thought um, I was not the right gender. And so the entirety of Idolmaster Twitter just went like, I stand a king for once. I don't even like Side M and I have a favorite guy uh, voice actor now. So Aoki is definitely a big one. My own personal favorite is Okada Nana, who admitted publicly that she is probably somewhere on the Kinsey scale, a lot closer to the lesbian side than just being pure bi. So that's another one too. And then I'm... I um, I kind of just blanked on one. Oh, I have a very, very old one, like very old. Um, we have Miwa Akihiro, who n- normally I don't really know how to describe them because, like, well, drag queen. So I guess I would use like male pronouns for the for 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 well, yeah, Miwa Akihiro, like. He goes by Miwaki Hiro, like Akihiro is his first name. So yeah, he he has been he's been in, in the industry since like the sixties. Like he still sings. Like he was on Kohaku a couple of years ago. Um, basically, he was like a drag queen. He well, he still does stuff. He was a drag queen, an actor, cabaret performer, singer. Released some records. Um, he has a song that he does basically dress down in simple male clothing, which he performed at Kohaku and he does it like every couple of years or so. Because once time he was booked at a coal factory in rural Japan. And basically he felt as if like his dress was too flamboyant and he felt foolish in front of the people. So he wanted to humble himself. And so that's one of the performances that he does. And um, side note, well, I guess I can like name this person because basically it's like an open thing. Side note, um, Miwa Akihiro was one of the lovers of the, in the West, Japanese gay icon. In Japan, Japanese nationalist icon, Yukio Mishima. Oh, that's not an open yeah. secret, didn't? Wasn't he obvious about it? his wife is in denial? Well, I remember when he got married. Like I was there. It was like the fifties. 
basically one of the tenants of two, two rules for his marriage. You can assume his marriage. One was his wife must be shorter than him, which is like kind of hard to do because he was five two. And the other thing is that his wife can ask him no questions about his life or his work. As I sit okay, here but... and look, at, I have a copy of Confessions of a Mask sitting across on the table <laughs> as I say this. This is where, like, it's very important to understand Asian societal norms for what counts as, like, queer sexual behavior, right? Yukio Mishima was very much emblematic of the perfect heterosexual cis man in Asian society, not just in Japan. He actually forms it for Korea and China as well. Which is why I hate him so much. Just FYI. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was you who I told this to, but like basically, like I I literally like in my possession, like across the room, have like pretty much the direct line of um Japanese of like well you're saying basically like Asian male well I do know this because like basically basically like Asian instagay thought Instagram it's kind of like all they all hang out they all kind of like know each other it's like oh you're Thai oh you're Japanese oh you're from Taiwan oh you're Korean oh we're all friends da 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 um but basically like I'll just break it down so you have Yuki Mishima who he was gay like Everyone knows it. Like, he had, like, a private army to overthrow the government, to reinsult the emperor to absolute power. His private army was basically, like, a bunch of men who he was into. Like, there's, like... I mean, this isn't really something erotic, but you can take it at that. Like, there are photos of, like, him and his private army, like, all hanging out in, like, the baths together. Um, But basically... He was friends with this one photographer named Tomatsu Yato, who produced a series of books in the late 60s, early 70s. He had three books. I have all three. And basically, it was like, Mishima had this thing where he wanted his body to be as beautiful as his mind. So he started bodybuilding. And so basically, he just like wanted to look hot. And so he was like, hey, I look hot now. Take some pictures of me and put it in your books. And like, Tomatsu Yata was like, okay, I guess, because he was gay too. And then, so basically, a lot of the aesthetics that you have for Japanese gay media is based off of those books, because those were some of the first, um, some of the first images of like overtly, well, I want to say. I would say the first modern, the first modern, because, like, you do have, like, the woodblock prints from, like, the 1800s, which, like, do depict homosexual sex. But the first modern depiction of, like, male, gay male aesthetics. And then, so you, then you have, like, someone like Kurohaga and, like, his Bond series of books and, like, magazines. And then, like, it basically continues into, like, porn when you can finally start doing porn and then like yeah so like just making a little link that hannah said yeah the link is definitely there 
I would but, have to say, though, from an Asian perspective, though, he's very much still, like, I don't want to call it heterosexual or heteronormative, but he's not, like, a gay icon, per se, because he's still... Like what I was saying before, he still followed exactly what how you were supposed to act as a ma- as a biological male man within Asian society. Yeah, yeah, you go and you get married and you have kids, but like he's more known for the nationalism in Japan and more of like the gay thing in the West. And then I'm not going to name the other person because there's a lot of there's a lot of people who there's a number of um, male artists who basically it's an open secret that they are gay, but they have never personally came out and said it. And I'm reminded now of Oomph, like sending me the lyrics to one of these people's songs yesterday. And he was just like, is this what he sings about? I'm like, oh, yeah, that song. <laughs> Where it's like the, the lyrics are basically like, I've got a key, it curves to the right. I think you got a soul that will fit it. I'm like, yeah, that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've heard that song before. It's about, yeah, you know, what way his penis curves because he sang about it in a song. But I'm trying to like think of like, like more just like openly gay well there actually now that i think about it there's one that was like japanese american and he went over there and i was just like this boy's gay and then years later he quit the industry and like he was on some show some gay show like getting plowed in a bathroom stall and i was like and he like was like i'm gay and i'm like okay I, everyone knew that and he were like flouncing around as like a j-pop singer oh I should say his name, Roma Tanaka. Yeah, he's gay. He was like. I a mean, two- like, why not thousand. talk about the big one, though, right? I'm not trying to out people here, Hannah. No, I'm talking about Matsuko Deluxe, aka like conservative extraordinaire talent show person. Uh, oh, Leslie, that too, like former editor of, of the now defunct Body Magazine, which was the main. Um, gay magazine of Japan for like about 25 years so pretty much yeah. like the aesthetic that we were talking about was pushed in large part by him mm-hmm. but like as far as like like do you guys think that we will get more in the future like are there some that like you like are there artists you see where you kind of just like I think they may say something in the future like do you guys mm-hmm. see that Without naming names, we're not trying to out people here. The future is now. The current number one girl of AKB48 is bi. And she's, like, very proud about it, so. I, I think it depends on, like, which segment of, like, J-pop we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Or, like, J-music in general. Like, I don't think we're going to see it from some of the, like, older acts. Uh <laughs> I I think we might see more like in the younger younger generation and in a way that I think like will feel meaningful as opposed to like an individual here or there that may feel like a token or something. Um, but 
also there seems to be like a lot of I want to say there seems to be like an intention of privacy but there really isn't a lot of privacy in reality um so I'm not sure how to elaborate on that but I think that that's also like a factor contributing Mm-hmm. Randy, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, Japan still is very conservative. And what, what's the um, what's that one idiom or phrase that they always say? It's like the the nail that sticks up gets hammered down, or something like that. Oh yeah, that's yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Um. I mean, we've had progressive strides in terms of like uh, representation and rights and stuff like that, but I feel like it's there's still a long ways to go. I mean, even in even in the West, I I can't mm-hmm. even think of one. I mean, it's, it's like Elton John, maybe. Yeah, yeah, he's a big, he's yeah. A big one. Ellen Page. That's I can't think of a lot of like super super mainstream musical acts. By our, like, isn't Lady Gaga? Yeah, Lady Gaga's by. And then we have Randy's favorite, Adam Lambert. <laughs> but like, no, not <laughs> Oprah Winfrey is apparently probably. Oh my theater. God! We said we were not going to out people. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but like everyone knows this one, right? Yeah. Okay. That thing, I don't want to indulge in rumors because, like, you know what? When I was on K pop forums, I would hate those 2,000 page threads of just like, nothing <laughs> is gang K pop. And it would basically be like, oh, did you see how he like looked at him when they were like, getting coffee? He's gay. I'm like, no. <laughs> I. I, I have people in my head who I personally think are, but the thing is, though, is that I have very solid evidence for who I think are, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to name them because I'm not, not messy. I think just speculating is, like, frustrating sometimes because mm. it, like, reinforces certain norms that are expected especially like certain like, yeah or like gender expression also um mm. if it's out of the ordinary then suddenly like they're gay <laughs> i don't i don't think that's always helpful and so like the fan speculating i think it gets out of hand sometimes and isn't helpful. it really does oh yeah with sean mendez that um You already said Sean Mendes. So go on, Randy. Tell us about your gay fantasy with Sean Mendes. <laughs> I what? Gay fantasy? He's not even that. Anyways, I mean, hasn't it been like a thing on gay tour that he's like basically in the closet ever that his relationship with Camila Cabello is just like a PR stunt to make him yeah. his fan base, whatever. Mm. I don't know. The I think thing I don't get about that. The thing I don't get about that is that I heard a Senorita song one time, like, in an Uber, and I was just like, why is he saying that he loves it when you call him Senorita? Oh. I, was, I can understand 
was saying that. Like, but why is somebody saying, oh, Senorita? Like, oh, by the way, Tamomi Katana covers that. Maybe that's why she was number three. <laughs> <laughs> I do actually think, though, it's easier for idols to come out. Like, going back on topic and speaking of Tomochin, it's much easier for idols to speak out because already by being an idol, you have deviated from social expectations and norms. Hmm. So that's why you literally have, like, Nana is now 23, 22? I forget. But when she... Every AKB girl, when they turn 20, they have this, like, nice little performance where all the kids who turn adults. And she had her own solo concert that year because, as I said, she's, like, the current number one. And her entire solo concert was this big lesbian pride fest. And nobody was surprised. Hmm. Like, no one was surprised. Okay. So what things are getting better. Hold on one second, my my phone is messing up again. Do you think there are certain perspectives of like lesbianism that influence public responses to it? Because I see it's actually. It's actually something that I wanted to mention when you were talking about, like, pandering to lesbians and bi women. I feel like there's a sense that, like, lesbians don't exist and lesbians are not real, right? Mm -hmm. So it definitely makes it easier. Um, But in this one case, I feel like it's less that, oh, she's going to grow old out of it and more like everyone knows that her saying she's bi okay this is actually like somewhat bi erasure but it's more just like people Mm -hmm. saying we actually think you're lesbian we don't think you're we don't think you're bi and she's talking about her favorite like yuri comics in her Mm -hmm. 755 and we're like on the kinsley scale you are definitely way over there (laughs) I think the I think the bi conversation is hard when we are discussing queer women because yeah, it really like, is. It's it's very much like considered you're either like one way or the other, um, and it's almost like you have to focus on like the queer aspect of your sexuality to validify it, uh, validate it, I should say. Um, yeah. Hmm. So that's interesting. Like, it's, it's one of those things where, especially with idols you can meet, and idols mm-hmm. who are allowed to develop their own sense of personality online, you'll notice that a lot of girls act out. And that's what I mean by, like, strength is seen very differently, whereas in the West, there's a way to act if you want to be seen as strong. In the East, it's very much, are you afraid of being struck down or not? And with a lot of these idol girls, they don't care about being struck down. Um, because if, you're, if you stand out enough to be struck down, you stand out enough to attract attention. 
and there's no yeah. such thing as bad attention. And so in a way, I feel like that's what a lot of idol fans have now liked. And a lot of the more traditional idol fans are a lot madder about. And you see it particularly in China, of all places, <laughs> where every other week there is yet another lesbian dating scandal to the point where, like, on China 48 Twitter fandom, there's, like, a joke. Oh, tell me about all the scandals, but don't tell me the lesbian ones because I'm so used to it. Oh, wow. This is so interesting hearing about the idol community because I'm so, like, much less familiar with it outside of, like, conversations and, like, dialogue I've seen folks having about it, but we never talk about, like, the queer aspect of it. It's really, it's very interesting because I feel like idols, um, there was a really good book that I read where in one section, the author was like, idols are very strange in that they're meant to attract attention, both Mm -hmm. the positive and the negative side. And they're meant Mm -hmm. to not just be like put on a pedestal, but also to be the kicking bags of society where like, you get to talk about all the disgraceful rumors that they're supposedly involved in. Mm. And that's just something that they use to sell to fans. That is part of the fandom. And so as a result, it actually oddly becomes a lot easier for idols to say and do shocking things. That's so interesting. Because I feel like it doesn't seem to apply to like older solo acts it's like they can do something slightly scandalous to draw Mm -hmm. attention but as soon as it starts getting a little bit too real it's like time to pivot and do like some damage control um yeah and it usually just has a negative impact like the net outcome is usually negative and so um, that's exactly what i mean though right like outside of And by idols, I specifically mean pure play, like you have to be a J-pop or K-pop idol only. You can't be anything else, not even any song idol. Mm -hmm. Um, Because people will really, like, they will really kill you online for speaking out. And I did not notice that more so. The, The thing that struck me that stood out about it the most was um, a week or two ago, there was an idol master, say you, who came out and was like, hey, like all these terrible things happened to me. And people were just like, oh, she's doing this for attention. Hmm. And us like pure play 3D idol fans were like, nani the fuck? <laughs> this is not how you support your idol. You support your idol through everything. And I just thought that was such like a difference between the way the two, the two act. Mm. We're like, when the, the clearest example was when Maho came out last year and, um, and she was talking about all the things that she went through in NGT. It got to the point where there was actually like a bit of a civil war in NGT management over how to handle her situation. And you had like really, really big people like even Akipi showed his way of saying like, I don't agree with the situation. I think Maho should be treated better kind of things. And you had a lot of fans literally 
like voicing like I support Maho a hundred percent. Like anybody who is for the girls who attacked her are wrong. And like that was almost universally the voice of like AKB fandom, right? Mm-hmm. For a very long time. To the point where like whoever the dude is that sold her information literally has to make a new Twitter account every other month because like we keep on finding it and hunting him down. And so I was just like, the two reactions are very different. Mm. It's like super strange to me. And then one person was like, well, maybe it's because of the length of time. And I was like, that can't be right either because it was also another scandal that happened where it turned out that like one of the AKB staff was actually like filming the girls in bathroom stalls when he worked for AKB, which at that point had been like a couple years later. And even then, like, fans were furious. They were all talking about it. And being like, we have to hunt down this dude. Like, we need to kill him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, guys, vigilante justice is bad. <laughs> so, to wrap things up, do you guys have any closing words? Hannah? Hmm. I have to say, fandom is important. It is an important way to discover your sexuality, no matter which one it is. So <laughs> keep supporting it. AO3 is great, as much as I trash on it. Sorry, Vita. Um, so yeah, please continue supporting. Jasmine? Hmm. Um, I have to agree. Like, I've, I've really just come to enjoy over the years the way I can explore myself and my identity and my feelings through Japanese music. And I think what I would love to see in like the Western fan base, whether on <laughs> Hack, Twitter or elsewhere, is um, I guess like diversifying the discussions because I've noticed mm. like we have really diverse tastes, but we often talk about like the same artists. And I would just love to like delve into the discussions that are not just about like whatever like main mainstream like popular acts um whether current or old and just like dive into that i think that would be that would be fun to experience on um hack twitter with other queer folk randy do you have any closing words um know your queer history we're all reaping <laughs> the of our forefathers so yes. respect them Um, closing words for me. Um, first of all, I would like to thank you three for joining me in my kind of like impromptu like moment I was trying to create. It's <laughs> cute. I like this vibe. It's cute. But thank yes. you, thank you guys for and thank, thank you, you everyone for, for listening. It up. Thank you for coming. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think that, like, a lot of interesting things were said here. Like, I learned something today about, like, maybe people like IU and Koda because of the fact that, like, they are rebellious and then they see themselves as, like, rule breakers. So maybe I should be 
less critical. <laughs> maybe, maybe if I was less of a bitch, I wouldn't get thrashed. <laughs> I mean, I think it's fair because we do talk about them a lot. That's why I said we should diversify. Like, I would love to talk more about Mika Nakashima <laughs> and stuff. Or, like, my yes. first guy, lesbian anthem. <laughs> What's a lesbian anthem? Glamorous Guy is apparently a very popular song among lesbians, or so I figured from from Okada Nana's like lesbian pride concert, <laughs> or that was basically the promo image. I think it's Mika gives off. Thinking vibe. about it, thinking about it, Glamorous Guy, like look at that video. It does have like a very like lesbian aesthetic. And like five, and that would be like the one video where I would be like, "This is not pandering." That's the thing. There's so many other like um, artists out there outside of like, I think some of these like top acts and groups, mm-hmm. and um, I think they all like contribute to my experience. Like I talk about Takata and IU, but like I love, like I love Mika. I love some of the other girls. Like I love Jasmine. I love you know. And I feel like I find something to latch on to with, like, each of them. So, yeah. Might be fun to explore in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think there'll be more. I mean, like, I'm like I said, like I said, I'm not going to name names, but, like, I have a few... And I think that some of you may know who those few are in my head. <laughs> I'm just like, did you see the way he turned? Did you see that dance move? Did you see his Instagram story? Ooh, okay. Yeah, he's definitely like, see, that's the whole thing is that like, you don't want to make, like sometimes you don't want to out people. But on the other hand, one of the ways that people back in the day kind of like made themselves known as gay without saying it was that there was a code. And then that basically mm. only people that knew the code was like no other people that knew the code. So some people would like pretend, not pretend, but I guess like go and be more like expressively queer to signify to other people that they were too about them saying it. It's basically like the whole, like, basically like Jodie Foster. When she got mm. an award one time a few years ago, she was basically just like, she was like, yeah, I want to thank my wife. And she's like, yeah, I'm a lesbian. Like, you guys knew that all already, right? Because I, I thought it was pretty obvious that I was a lesbian. I didn't feel the need to come out because I figured everyone knew. So I feel like I made it obvious that I was. So, Maybe there are people who are doing that. Maybe those cues I'm picking up on are blatant, so they don't have to make an announcement. If a certain artist, T, films himself dancing to Itzy's Wannabe, I'll agree with you. Oh, God. Well, hopefully they don't catch the coronavirus like the people in that club did that night. Hopefully they keep their alpaca at home. <laughs> yeah, so like, 
So last week I went to Hannah's building and met some people that she lives with. Not lives with, but like they live in the same building. Mm-hmm. And basically me, her, and her brother had to explain the Itaewon coronavirus outbreak, which involved um, a gay club, a number of K-pop idols, and an alpaca. Please stay at home, everyone. <laughs> yes. So, um, in closing... Um, happy Pride, everybody. I know you guys won't be at any parades or anything, but um, if you're in if you're in certain places, I know you'll be out in the middle of the street drinking a vodka soda out on the street, like people are doing in certain places now. Or I know there's places where like things are already all open, but like things here aren't completely open. You can drink in the street apparently, but you can't like go into mm-hmm. actual. Oh, things are open here in Florida, but you know, you know it's oh. Florida. Oh, Florida. <laughs> what I'm about so sorry. in um, what about in Minneapolis, Randy? Really? People are just doing whatever here, so. I've seen the news. <laughs> what news? You live, like, in the most popular city in the world right now. Minneapolis. Um, Minneapolis is, like, the birthplace of the revolution. It's like, it's like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's revolution. the whole thing, yeah. I, for, I forgot that was happening. Yeah. Did you just forget that you like were out in the protest and like saving people from tear gas? I wasn't saving people. I was holding hands with people and running away from it, but I blocked that whole thing out. That was just a lot of, yeah. But yeah, things are, Prince knew the tea. He, he knew the revolution would start here, so. Mm-mm-mm. Well, okay. Thank you, everyone, for being here, and thank you for listening. And we will see you guys for our next episode sometime soon. And good night. Good night. Night. Good night. Oh, happy times.